Welcome to another episode of Silverline Behind the Frame. I am Josiah Ness, and in this episode, myself and my team got to sit down with our good friend Nick Goff. Nick is a former 275 Army Ranger sniper and a GRS operator. Nick has taken what he learned in the military and applied it to what he does now in the high-level training here in the States. We get to hear what it was like overseas and how that built the foundation to what he's doing today. As well as a sneak peek into a recent shoot we did with Nick and a group of former military guys down in Texas with a couple helicopters, a couple buildings, and a couple explosives. So welcome everybody to the Behind the Frame podcast. We are here for another exciting episode. Uh, We're actually recording this in Texas down in... um, how do you call the town? Refugio. Refugio, yeah. Texas. Refugio, if you're Ref- trying to spell it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anywhere. Right. Depends on if you're top of a mountain or if you're actually in a town. So. Mm-hmm. I think that was the most entertaining part this week was hearing everyone try to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we just got done with the big shoot down here in Texas, and we've got our good friend Nick Goff here hanging out with us. Um, Nick, why don't you introduce yourself? And Yeah, so uh, met Josiah not too long ago. My uh, military background kind of brought us all together, but I uh, was in 2nd Ranger Battalion for about eight years, got out, government contractor, got into the firearms industry, and the rest is kind of history. I think that's where our, our streams kind of Paths converged. <laughs> um, you know, got to work with you guys on different projects from the instructional standpoint, and now it's kind of led into what, where we are today and why we're sitting here with a training facility down here in Texas, so... Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been been a good good journey. Yeah, good run. So yeah, no, it's been fun. Bumps uh, along the way, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, before we jump into the shoot, what uh, give us a little bit of background on what you did when you were in the military and kind of how that journey became? Because you're in for quite a while. Yeah. Right? So um, about when I was eight years old, I kind of decided the uh, the Army Ranger path was was for me. Oddly enough, uh, I had a really good friend in middle school whose brother was in the Battle of Mogadishu. Better, better known as Black Hawk Down to, to most people, but uh, he came home, and of course, to, to us young youngins, was 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and at the time, we had no idea tr- the true story of everything, so in hindsight, it's kind of a weird thing to emulate looking back on, but uh, it was that, that time when I was eight years old, I was like, that's what I want to do, nice. um, and that kind of evolved into more specifics, like, kind of want to be a sniper. I'm like, I haven't really shot a gun yet, but I think that's what I want to do. <laughs> So, uh, you know, long story short, that led went to one year of college, promised mom I'd do it. She, I think, knew that was never going to pan out. So <laughs> came home on Christmas leave and or Christmas break from college and was like, so kind of signed up for the Army. I leave nine days after my birthday. Nice. Deal with it. <laughs> um, exchanged some words, of course. Um, but yeah, July 12th, 2004, took off for the military. Um, later found myself in Washington State beautiful Fort Lewis and spent about eight years there. Um, you know, had a, some career things that I wanted to do in the military, but the military had other other options for me. Uh, it's not always the most conducive to bettering yourself. They don't always enable it if they have a different goal for you. Um, they wanted me to stay in Ranger Regiment. I wanted to move on to other things. They called my bluff. They were, they were wrong. <laughs> um, so I got out and then went and did some civilian contracting for just shy of five years. Um, got done with that and said, still not done carrying a gun, so let's nice. do some instruction. So brought me back to some, some old friends, uh, Garrett from Cogworks, you all know and mm-hmm. worked with a ton. 
which actually is what ended that's up leading we, us yeah, together. Yeah, um, came together. So yeah, I did some stuff with him, and it just kind of evolved into my own own thing, my own business as well. And um, I think the most in- interesting part now is I kind of free agent and work with other people, which I actually truly enjoy. Doing your own things, uh, fun, but it's always more fun to learn what other people are doing and kind of dive into their networks and meet the people they know. And you just meet a lot more people, a lot more interesting people kind of along the way. <coughs> um, as I was doing that, I got hired by a firearms manufacturer, kind of do some R&D, product development, marketing, a little bit of everything, <laughs> um, which has been great. And I really, really enjoy it because I've learned more about firearms as how they function than the military ever would have taught me, um, mm. which in hindsight is something I kind of think that the military really neglects teaching people because you get these problems, these malfunctions that they teach you how to fix, mm. but yeah. they don't teach you why they're happening. Gotcha. And now you now knowing what I know, I'm like, that's why that's happening, mm. um, which has been cool. It's cool to learn that. Um, through that, through working at the um, firearms manufacturer, I met a couple of people who knew the, the owners down here, the property in Texas, came down purely to consult on the design of the range. And a couple of weeks later, they were like, how about you just run it? <laughs> and, you know, it's been it's been truly a, a fantastic opportunity. It's every person's dream to kind of design their own range and right. see it come to fruition. And, you know, mm-hmm. the group of people we're working with has done nothing but enable that um, from a design perspective, from hey, I think we should shoot this video. Hey, we should build this here. And they've right. just supported it the whole way. So, And it's a pretty sweet range. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's a pretty it's, dope range. Yeah, it's nice setup. it's one of those like, hey, give us your wish list. And you may get half of it feelings, but you give them the wish list. And nice. it was there like two months later. That's so. awesome. A question, a question I had just uh, real quick is that when, you, when you're doing these types of trainings and even with Cogworks and a lot of the different guys that show up, um, are most of these guys just from the civilian side that just want to get honed in on the skills that they see other people doing, or do you actually get like civilian contractors that are using these skills in you know their job and stuff too, or what? What seems to be the demographic that usually comes out for that stuff? It is never the same. Yeah, no matter where you go in the country, um, you know, a Michigan class is way different than a California class, which is different than a Florida class, and um, you know, oddly enough, we just taught a class out here in Texas and it was primarily it guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so it's, it's kind of strange that the jobs you see, um, unfortunately I, I don't see as much military law enforcement, civilian contractors. Um, you know, I have a couple of suspicions as to why that is budgetary and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate because I do think that they are the ones that would truly benefit the most from it. Uh, I think a little bit of ego comes into it as well. Like I've, past my academy i've you know i've made it i do this every single day i don't need to learn from someone else but you can always learn from someone else yeah i mean i still take classes to learn from other people Mm -hmm. um but i think it's all about being humble and and knowing like maybe i go out there and just get some trigger time sure maybe i'm not going to learn something maybe i learn one thing um the civilians have definitely evolved from hobbyists who just want to shoot guns and have a good time to i feel more of a serious especially with what's going on kind of mm-hmm. in our country right now uh i might have to actually use this and you've actually seen the mindset within the class shift mm. whereas people would be a little bit lazy and lackadaisical and maybe not 
super attentive to certain things. Now they're really, really holding themselves more accountable to, mm. to the training. And they even want to do different things. Like instead of just being on the flat range and running and gunning and like a competition standpoint, they enjoy the working from a vehicle or entering a building, like more applicable type mm. subject matter. Right. So. That's awesome. Um, going back into just real quick, when you were, <clears throat> when you were in the military, what kind of stuff, because um, you did a bunch of deployments over, what kind of stuff, kind of give us a little background on, like, you know, people that haven't been over there, kind of what that was like for you, and what kind of stuff did you get to see while you were over there, just kind of jumping around a little bit? Yeah, so, I mean, primarily between Afghanistan and Iraq were the majority of my uh, deployments, but everyone was different i'd love to say that you know oh, every iraq deployment's the same you know some of them are super super busy and you know you're out every single night some of them are longer missions that are taking two three days um but in in general it, it was a very interesting experience just from like a life perspective to you're working now with this group of people that you can't really communicate with except through an interpreter so it's very important you learn their customs and that way you don't Un, you know intentionally insult them right. you know like a big thing over there is like the soles of your shoes mm. like showing them the soles of your shoes is like super like insulting and i'd be sitting on a rooftop just kind of hanging out after the mission was kind of complete getting ready to take off with my feet hanging over the edge <laughs> and the you know the interrogator and interpreter would come over and like hey can you kind of just take your feet off. I'm like, why? Like, well, that's super insulting to them. Or like an open hand slap is more insulting than punching someone in the face. Wow. So you have to kind of learn those <laughs> things and really like adapt to them. And in Afghanistan specifically, like the tribal areas are way different than the cities, just customs, mm. cultures, people. Right. Um, so, so you kind of learn about that and, you know, things like in the tribal areas, the easiest way to find out who the bad guy is, is to ask everyone to name who's there. Because if it's someone who's not part of the village, they, they don't see people, new people all the time. Hmm. So if they can't say, if ten out of, nine out of ten people say that person's someone different, that person doesn't belong. Like uh, they're hmm. they're the foreigner who just showed up last week. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just kind of learn learn that type of stuff. Just the the means of planning is completely different. So you know, this mission you might be able to land right outside the building and run in, and you know you'll you'll have a better success rate this one you may have to walk 20 kilometers and try to not to be heard and mm -hmm. it's just that's that's terrible you don't want those deployments <laughs> but um but yeah it, it's a it's always a different experience for sure um the life lessons that you get taught are daily you know from dealing with other people from different personalities that are now having to live together in a tight quarters to everyone's quirks you know People not liking to be touched in the face, for example, which is what we found <laughs> out <laughs> this, this week. week. But, you know, it, it seems that everyone has those quirks, but yeah. you don't find them until you're stuck with them for four months in a close proximity and you're all tired and hungry and hot and miserable and everyone's true selves kind of tend to poke out at that mm -hmm. point. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I feel everyone could benefit from. Right. It's obviously a huge life decision to go learn right. those lessons that manner. Definitely. Yeah. But, um, I think that's been the interesting part of teaching civilians and being part of different like experience type events is you see what they come in with these uh, preconceived notions of what you've experienced and what that in entailed. And sometimes right. it's close. Other times it's completely skewed. Right. You know, like yeah. everyone thinks wearing all the gear and 
working at night, super fun. I'm like, yeah, now go stuff yourself in a vehicle for 13 <laughs> takes. Right. Like, yeah, it's, just, not, it's not that easy. Like, and it's not that right. comfortable. So, um, you know, and, and what I've, I've really found, I guess, you know, taking it back to the civilian side is all of the, like now gear is so accessible, right? Everyone can buy night vision. It's, it's a little expensive, but it's, it's accessible. You can get it. And a lot of people do have it but a lot of people don't train with it. Mm-hmm. So then when they put it on for the first time, they think, oh, well, it's going to be just like daytime, but at night. I have right. night vision. That's, right. that's what it does. It's not like that. Uh-huh. So um, the yeah, biggest the biggest thing I try to push in classes is if you have the gear, practice with it because yeah. you're going to find something that doesn't work. That right. pouch isn't in the right spot. or But you don't learn that until you've actually like worked with it day in and day out. Right. Um, even guys here for this shoot were modifying stuff as we went because mm-hmm. they had added something before they really got to train right. with it, found out, okay, that's not going to work. Right. So Even some of the stuff, like it looks like we had the conversation, I think this morning or yesterday, about the gear. Like it looks good when you put it on and you put it, and sometimes like we have to do it when it's brand new, right out of the package. Someone wants it like, hey, we got to shoot this because it needs to look really nice on their website but then like hey that doesn't even look like it's real doesn't look like it's used that and then because i know we've done a lot of different stuff with like you and and cogworks and garrett and stuff like that on guys that have actually spent time overseas and actually used the gear ran through it time and time again to where Mm -hmm. when we come back to the shoots like we did this week there's a lot of times i was sitting there you know is that actually what you guys do when you were, you know, when right. you were overseas, because I don't want to make it look like it's Hollywood. You know, we had the conversation. We don't want to make it look like it's Hollywoodized or yeah. make it to where the guys that you've served with that maybe aren't on Instagram and all this kind of stuff, they just kind of happen to be flipping through or they're just like looking and like, oh, that guy wouldn't do that. That's not real. Like yeah. calling the bluff, you know, and on all that yeah. stuff. So, uh, you know, awesome. it's like how that conversation started this morning with me saying, like, I don't envy you guys being tossed <laughs> new gear because. Right. Obviously, the, the manufacturer expects these yeah. pristine, cool photos, but you're also entering the most cannibalistic industry known to man. For sure. And I can promise that no matter what you do, someone's going to call it out. I mean, yep. yeah. I've posted legitimate photos and videos and been called out, and I'm like, okay, well, if you think I missed that at 600 yards, go stand there and we'll talk about it. Right. But um, no one <laughs> typically wants to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, you know, I deal with it, too. Um at the, the firearms manufacturer, I get questions all the time, like, oh, this broke, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you don't understand why. So mm-hmm. stop assuming it's someone else's problem. This is actually why. And then you explain it to them, and they usually understand. But right. it's a very um, cannibalistic world because I think you get a lot of people who it's not really their personality type. They're not really like a, I hate to use the alpha male Mm-hmm. mentality but they try mm-hmm. to pretend to right but when they step up and try to do that and someone corrects them it's it's a little bit embarrassing for them <laughs> um and, and we get it a lot too in classes guys show up and because they have the gear they think i've made it like right. i have this i have the same thing you do so you should know we the have same. the same background right it's not should the, shoot, it's be able not to shoot the, same. the same yeah and but i think it's actually kind of a dangerous thing too because you know i have a few different uh i'll call them case studies if you will of people i've worked with a lot like 10 12 times one-on-one basis group basis and i watch them progress as a shooter but i also watch them progress as they buy stuff they take this like leap year jump forward i got this new pouch so i'm going to do reloads faster and then they bobble the reloads it's like you need to put in the time 
right. to, to also go with the purchases. But yeah. um, it's a it's a very cannibalistic industry, and you know you're never gonna put something out, photo, video, and not have someone try to pick it apart. It's just yeah. what it is. But at the end of the day, whatever the goal was, whether it was you know hitting that shot or rescuing that hostage, whatever the scenario is that you're facing, right. the the getting there is never pretty most of the time but getting there safely and achieving it is kind of the goal. So, you know, I see like room clearing is a big one. Mm-hmm. Like room clearing is seldom pretty. Someone <laughs> trips, someone slams into a door jam going in, someone, you know, trips over themselves. Like it's not pretty most of the time. Uh, shoot houses are great cause there's not usually junk on the floor or the ceilings and you know it, you've probably rehearsed it. You've done it three or four times before you do it. Right. You know, real world overseas going into a house and, you know, Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit, Nashville, wherever it is like, right. like people operate. There's stuff on the floor. It's a foreign world, foreign environment. You find a room that you didn't expect there. You're going to trip, fall, bobble, slam into things. It's not pretty, but the goal is obviously to achieve what it is. Either get the bad guy, but be safe doing it. So mm-hmm. if you, they're not pretty, but you achieve it, then that's kind of the goal. You take the lessons learned on what you messed up and try to pretty it up next time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, some of that relates even to as far as the gear side of it, even to the camera side, because we have a lot of questions. People will be like, "Hey, I just bought, went out and brought a brand new camera. Like now, I'm I'm there." And I'm like, "No, like some people can have a natural a talent for it and just be good, kind of right out of the gate. But to really get that proficient, <laughs> oh, <laughs> background noise. <laughs> um, but you know, to really be proficient and do it the right way all the time, all the time. It just takes all that work, put in the time, put in the, the hours to, to, and mess up, fix it, mess up, fix it, mess up, fix it. So, well, I think there's on that note, I want to flip the script to you guys. Cause I actually truly don't know like the formal training, but I admit I am that guy <laughs> who has, who has bought the brand new GoPro, who's bought the nice camera. And I'm like, why does this not look good? And then it's simply like, oh, well, get from this angle instead of straight on. And I'm like, ah, okay, yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think a lot of that comes in kind of like what you had talked about as far as putting the time and the training. You know, there's a lot of people that will go to film school um, that will, you know, Jacob yeah. sitting right here next Hi, to us. <laughs> he, he went to film school, you know, and so – and me and Micah didn't. And at the time when we started dabbling in video stuff – YouTube wasn't what it is today to where there's just, I mean, there's pretty much a school on, you know, YouTube. So a lot of it for us, you know, I'm dyslexic, so I wasn't good in school. So I just, when I picked up a camera, I was just playing around with it, fixing it. You know, I, so you start with auto and then you slowly move to manual and start changing stuff right. and just kind of eye. But, you know, and then Jacob is able to learn it, you know, through a big class he got to be on shoots like right away and stuff like that to where it took us a long time to be on bigger shoots and learn you know the etiquette and what happens and how you you know different jobs and so but i think you know speaking from our experience it was just getting in there in time and having the passion to to learn it make those mistakes and figure it out and ask questions and and like at that time too when we were starting out it was like the cardinal sin for like people to give information of how to, Hey, how do you shoot this portrait here? Here, you know, here's how you do it. Here's how you light it. All this kind of stuff. At that time, it was like, you either go to school and outside of school, like 
you can't talk about it. Right. You can't help people teach. It was it was really weird. So it's like that magician who yeah, revealed all what... the the tricks on that TV show. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He was like blackmailed or blackballed in the right. the magic world, which I guess yeah. is a thing. Right. But, so it's kind of the same thing. But know, how was this. that for you, Jacob? Jumping in because you came from the other side from the film yeah, school, jumping into school. like the real world side. We learned from the real world side, and now learning yeah. some of the film school stuff. Well, um, well, I guess the major plus side to the film school stuff is that you got to work with a lot of people and, you know, you work with people that are horrible to work with and work with people that are great to work with. So you get that aspect. But a lot of film schools, from, from what I heard from, you know, just a lot of students is that you don't get a lot of camera time. You don't get a lot of time to actually just work with the equipment. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the school I went to, they did that right away, though pretty new school, really small, that kind of thing. But um, what Nick was talking about earlier with the guys with their gear, how they would adjust it like through the day with the mm-hmm. new stuff, uh, or like, oh, I got this new thing, but I didn't practice with it yet. Right. That's what Joe and Micah did or do because uh, uh, you know they get camera gear, and you know when we we're filming just this weekend, you guys were replacing bits like, oh, that doesn't work, but I'll do this, and you've been doing this for years professionally, and it's like, oh, it's in a way, there's almost a tactical side to the camera side in a way which is really mm-hmm. cool because it's like oh that doesn't work i'm gonna flip monitor monitor here put the mic here that kind of stuff but yeah. uh, that just comes with practice and figuring out what works what doesn't work right yeah. being able to roll with the punches because like just as we saw with this shoot We're stuff is you that. plan <laughs> things out it's not <laughs> that one under. it doesn't always go <laughs> the way you plan it but even like in realistic on our camera side like we rented stuff and show up and then it's like oh we realize that doesn't always integrate exactly mm-hmm. with this other part. So like, okay, well, how can we modify this to start shooting, you know, Gaff the next tape. day? Like, Gaff we're going to tape this on. Or like, <laughs> oh, we're going to use this adapter and put some screws on and and, and, and put it over here. And, well, it's not ideal because the this thing's not down here. But it's like, oh, and then we get in the helicopter and it's like it barely fit through the door. We didn't even think to test to see if this whole big right. rig was going to fit through the door. Right. And it literally just barely fit to be able to shoot like from helicopter. You know, it's like... Those kinds of things you can't always plan for, but you at you least have to be able to, to do, to do as much out. plan as you can. Yeah, and you just you, you're going to have to roll with the punches as it happens because if you can't just like, oh, my whole plan's thrown off, I can't do anything. It's like we have our guys here, we have all this right. going on, we still have to make this happen. Well, and I th- and I think you know my, one of the biggest things because this is my first time working with you, Micah, and and Jacob. I pretty much just worked with Josiah, and you know, with working with him the reason I truly enjoy working with him, and I don't know if I've told him, but he's going to hear it now, is Uh it's like he's not there. (laughs) So you can just naturally do what you're going to do. And he takes the responsibility on of capturing that versus saying, well, go go over there and kind of slow down your walking and maybe do this. Or can you put that piece of gear over here? Because it would actually be better for the shot. And I've worked with photographers and, and video guys who do that. And honestly pisses me off more than anything because i'm like <laughs> i wouldn't do that and, and you know i'm just one of those people that this is how i do it this is how it's set up it's like that for a reason you know we had some people for this shoot who wanted to change out all sorts of gear just for this shoot and i'm like well that's cool i'm not doing that so if that's a problem i'm still not doing it yeah. um <laughs> but i think the one thing I've, I've enjoyed about working with your whole team is i do see the parallels with planning so, you know, you have to be super meticulous with timelines. You have to be super meticulous with, I can only take this gear because I have to fit in a bird. So mm-hmm. once I get up there, it's not I'm setting back down. We're rechanging this out. And, 
you know, so I, I think the planning aspect, the timelines, um, the gear selection, the angle selection, like it's, it's very, it parallels a military plan very similarly. And I think that's the part that I enjoy. Cause personally I enjoy planning an operation yeah. just as much or more as executing it. And, For sure. Me too. you know, it's once you, you make that plan and you kind of set it in motion, there's no going back to the drawing board. It's we're, we're in it now. We're, we're burning memory cards. We're burning you yep. know, time. Daylight Make is, it is work. the big thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was the one thing, especially over a multi-day shoot, trying to tie it all together was lighting. Like, mm-hmm. and, and watching you guys try to roll with that was, was very interesting. And it's just like us trying to meet um, time hacks. And we have to be in position by this time where it throws off this part of the, the mission. And, um, but at the end of the day, it parallels mostly, I think, with the rolling with the punches type thing that you mentioned, because there's no going back and starting over with right. either one. Like you don't have the time, you don't have the budget on one and the other one's just like it's just not an option. So right. um, I've really enjoyed seeing that aspect of, of shoots probably even more so than. I mean, the final product's always cool because it always looks so different than what you think you got. <laughs> I mean, you know, you'll be in and thank I'm, you, Jacob. <laughs> You're like, welcome. I'm going I'm up out the, of the cave. Like, yeah. like I'm going up the stairs and I'm like, there's no way it looked that cool. Right. Like absolutely not. You know, but it's cool to see how they come together and the end product's always awesome. But I kind of like the getting there aspect of it even more because you can look back and laugh and be like. Wow, I know how we got that shot. <laughs> and, it wasn't pretty. No. <laughs> no. So well, it's even like yeah. what you're talking about. Um, you know, rolling with the punches and like I was just. It, I had a flashback, to especially yesterday when we were shooting, because it was like we set the timeline the night before, and then by let's see, breakfast at 7 a.m., I changed it again. And then by noon again, I changed it again just because of how, you know, our walkthrough changed. Oh, hey, we got to do this different because of what happened here, and we can only shoot this stuff now because this had to change from the day before. And, I was, you know, it's just like it's a never-ending change because you can't just stop be like, oh, well, that messed up, you know, because I was having a couple big, you know, things, big wrenches, if you will, you know, yeah, we'll call them wrenches. <laughs> we'll call them wrenches that were the object, the, the, object the object is a wrench <laughs> yeah, that were thrown into the mix. So it changed, changed a lot of timelines, changed a lot of the, not, not necessarily the story, which was great. So, cause we were able to work around it, but just taking those things and how those things adapt. Cause you can't just stop. you like, well, that's screwed. So we can't do anything. Now, like, how do we, how do we take that? How do we, change it to where we can still accomplish what we need right. to in the time, yeah. like I said, time frame of daytime to nighttime. And yeah, I mean, it, it was up. cool. Cause you know, we've had, I think three, probably three versions of the timeline before we even got on the right. ground here. Yeah. <laughs> and the first, what, 45 minutes you were on the ground here, we changed it again. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think for the better, for the most efficient, for sure. but yeah. for sure, I mean, you don't really know until you're there right. and you don't always have that luxury. And I would assume for you guys, it's the same. Like yeah. you show up on a, really expensive big production and you're supposed to fill in your piece when you hit the ground running but sometimes when you hit the ground running it's not the same ground you thought you were landing on and rug gets ripped out from underneath (laughs) you um so i i've like i said really enjoyed seeing how it evolves and um you know watching you guys flex on the scene is kind of cool too because it's like lens change and (laughs) 
radio call to Jacob to record, and he's not answering. So it's like throw a rock down the range and like try to get try to get him Jacob. to turn it on. Um, yeah. But you know, or or like the light switch, so you change the the lights in the the building, and like right. just to watch yeah. the intricacies of it because there's so much of that that you wouldn't even like personally. I wouldn't think like. Oh, it's getting darker, so I need to turn the lighting up in the room just a little bit because earlier it was this, and mm-hmm. um, so there's a ton of moving pieces. And I mean, I I love cameras, and I'd love to be able to do that, but <laughs> I, man, I don't know if I got the bandwidth and in, in the brain to do it. So I think um, my uh, favorite moment is when we're in the truck, and Ian's driving, you're in the back, and we go off road. I'm sitting there with the red, trying to film you guys in the back, and it's, it's just bumping. It's just going everywhere. And Nick's like, "I love my job. I love my job," because my face was just like, kind of like terror or whatever it was, like pain, just trying to keep this camera still. But I mean, that's that's what you got to say in those those terrible moments, because at the end of the day, it's like I volunteered for this. And, you know, it's a, it's a big running joke, and you know, every time we were doing some kind of training that just was miserable whether it was weather or just physically demanding and you just look at your friends and you kind of laugh and you're like well at the end of the day i did sign up for this I mean, <laughs> right. i'm not getting paid a hell of a lot but right. <laughs> i did sign up for it and you know there's some kid at home who's eight years old wanting to do that exact same thing and yeah you know kind of a, a side story about that is um i get messages all the time on instagram hey i'm leaving for the army i want to be a ranger do you have any advice and part of me is like man i don't, I don't know what to tell you like don't quit like just right. don't quit and i had a kid who he's messaged me a ton and all of a sudden i think it's been about 10 months maybe 11 months since i heard from him and he messaged me the other day he's like hey i made it blah 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 and i'm like that's awesome why did you think to message me again you know and it's just very strange so yeah. but then i think about it and i'm like well when i was eight my friend's brother was that person to me yeah. so so I also think it's a, it's a huge responsibility for for us as you know I hate to say like influencers or whatever the term you are but there are people watching you yeah. and you know you probably have photo guys and video guys who are watching you and maybe they're in college and they're doing a project but they're like oh I know Silverline did this on this shoot and that was kind of cool can I re- emulate that scene and replicate it mm-hmm. um, so you know I think it's an it's an obligation that is often overlooked um, to be responsible with what you're posting and kind of what you're putting out and right. um, yeah I mean you, n- you never know who's watching and, mm-hmm. and that goes for you, you never for know good. who's watching for good for and never good who's bad. watching for bad yeah, but yeah. Uh, exactly. I think if you take the approach that you know it is a world where everyone sees everything you do and you kind yeah. of act accordingly I think that's that's a good thing to have and you know it's it's guys like that that kid who messaged me that kind of makes sure I keep my own personal accountability and you know, it pushes you to, to be proficient and, you know, I have to practice what I preach or I'm mm-hmm. a hypocrite and I don't, no one ever wants to be that. So, you know, right. it's, it's putting in the work. It's one thing to tell someone during a class, the book answer, well, the book answer is this, and mm-hmm. this is what you should do. But if you're not doing it yourself, like you can't actually say that. So, right. I mean, and on the same note, I, I've worked with some instructors who they instruct what they've been instructed, but they haven't taken it upon themselves to like learn deeper into mm-hmm why that is and if that isn't the best way to do it what is and why and you can see it because if they get asked a question that's one level deeper than what they just taught and they can't answer it Mm -hmm. it's like okay do you do you know the knowledge or do you know how to repeat the knowledge right and um, i think it's it's important with like the this surgence of uh the number of instruction 
people out there to truly dig into it and and you know call them on it if if right. they're out there just kind of regurgitating stuff and I like being challenged in classes and I mean I enjoy it. I mean I've learned from students too who have taken other classes and other instructors and stuff. So I mean I think that we all have an obligation no matter um, what we are doing to to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward and truly practicing what we preach. So and when you're deciding, I guess a question for both of Josiah and, and and you Nick about like with this shoot in specific too when you have that pressure of like you're trying to, I mean, you're kind of trying to accomplish multiple things. Obviously, you're showing the capabilities of this location and like what it can do because you want to, you know, get people thinking like, oh, yeah, I could see myself doing this or that. Or this right. is what it's capable of. But in the same sense, you're also coming from the training side of like, how do I make a scenario that is realistic? And some of those like small pieces change, but you guys like brainstorm beforehand the the overall plan of like okay here's a scenario that can make use of all these different aspects right. it's legit it's it would it would be something we would do and even from like the camera side of like figuring out okay this is also going to show up really well for video and you know capturing the content so like how did how did the plan kind of come <laughs> together as far as what the or maybe it just like formed gonna, as you I'm guys hit Josiah the ground running. But like, because <laughs> but I mean, I mean how do you decide? It was like we could show this kind of aspect or right. this approach or this setup or those kind of things. Like, what? How does that? How does that thought process get going? Whether how it did in this scenario or how you would approach it for like a normal one coming up. I think uh, for and for this one, it was uh, it was out of necessity more so as we were getting really close to to rolling and there wasn't really much discussed at that point um, as to what we were going to do specifically. And we quickly learned that we are very, very similar in the fact that we're like, I'd like to have a plan ahead of time because it's going to change. So I'd like to be able to do that as many times as needed. um, Because as we saw, we needed several modifications along the way, which is to be expected. Um, So, so honestly, my, my approach to it was, okay, we need a realistic scenario. Like we can come up with crazy things all day long, but it has to be realistic. It has to be um, duplicated. So someone else has to be able to come in here and do something else along those lines, but tailor it to their needs. Maybe, Um, maybe they don't have helos, so they have to be able to do it with just vehicles or something of that nature. Um, After that, we basically just look down at our capabilities. And as far as the stuff that we teach um, to make sure that it was reasonable and we kind of just started checking off, okay, this scene accomplishes this scene, this, you know, aerial interdiction, shooting from a helicopter. Okay, this checks that block. Um, CQB, okay, checks that block. Night vision, checks that block. And just kind of came up with all of our checklist of things that needed to be accomplished and then kind of just morphed the tailor line or the storyline to tailor that as we went. But. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what was your, uh, your <laughs> observations yeah. of that? Well, I mean, I think it was a lot. I mean, pretty close to the same thing as far as when the when everything kind of started happening as far as the ideas. It was a lot of the ideas, and it was a lot of like, hey, we want to make, instead of just shooting a bunch of, bunch of promo videos, if you will, it was like, how can we tie these into a storyline? So the storyline was kind of initially set. Um, and then from there, I mean, we did a lot of how do we tie that into the objectives that we're trying to meet with the one side on the on the company, and then the other side of showing, like you said, showing what this the the location can accommodate and what you guys can do here. And so there's two different final end products to it. And so I mean, I came out here over a month ago, about a month and a half ago, and um, 
just to get eyes on it. You sent me photos probably two weeks prior to that yeah. as far as what the range looked like and the location. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even from there, and then, um, you know, and then that was a month and a half just going back and forth, trying to refine, trying to set like, hey, what's, you know, what are all these actual moving parts? Because there was, you know, there was, we wanted to do a lot of extra stuff that would have been really cool, but how do you, some of that stuff you just can't do, can't feasible in two days of filming. So you got to break it down. Okay, what can we realistically accomplish in just those two days of filming? So, you know, once we started cutting away some of that stuff, okay, we can't do that, can't do that. Here's refining the story, refining the story. And then then even getting here, like you said earlier, with got here a day before everybody else showed up. And, I mean, we're still changing stuff just because getting on and actually walking through the scenarios, you see it a little bit different. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, hey, we got to do this different. And how do we show this scenario the best way so then from a viewer's perspective it might look cool like a movie but if the viewer can't look at like oh hey that's what that training would look like and that's right. where it would be and what the benefit would be that then you're not you're just making it look cool versus actually making it accomplish what you need the end viewer to see and i mean and that was the important part for you know from from my perspective of this whole thing was i i mean we, we know you guys are perfectly capable of pulling together a cinematic quality, you know, product. And, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But it also has to be real. Like, yeah. You know, we could go out and film fake scenes till the cows come home. And there's a lot of them out here. So we, we'd <laughs> yeah. be here a while. But, um, <laughs> you know, we could literally put together little two-minute scenarios all day. and yeah. and But are they feasible in the, a grand scheme of a training event? Mm-hmm. No. So... I think having a true, you know, plan as far as what the operation was, was the important part. And I think once we had that, that gave you the ability to say, okay, well, from a film perspective, this is what we're going to need for gear, for angles, for this, for that, to, to pull that off. And I think it's, I think it's good that it worked out that way because I think authenticity should go further than for sure. Yeah. Production and, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be a quality production, and it's going to look really, really good. But I think the authenticity of the actions involved are what people are going to identify with. Because, like I said, super cannibalistic world. You're never going to clear a stairway the, the way that the other 300 airsofters or right. 95,000 ex-special operations soldiers, like whoever they may be, sitting at home when they watch it, they're going to have a different technique, a tactic. And, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I don't yeah. discourage that at all because... You know, it's the same thing with like everything going on right now. I tell every class we live in a world right now that's kind of unique. Like you can learn through social media how someone handled that situation when protesters came up to their car. Right. You can see that before you're in that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have any idea. You would hear about it maybe, but you wouldn't get to see Mm -hmm. it. And now you're seeing it happen. You're seeing cars get pushed off the road and what the driver does or does not do and so that actually gives you a chance to somewhat informally backseat quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I encourage people to at least watch with open eyes and say, don't say this is how I would have done it, but maybe start to think, how should I have done that Right. if I find myself in right. that scenario? Because um, nobody ever says how they would have, you know, they'll just think about it and right. just like totally refrain from, you know, bashing anybody right now. Well, and I think Josiah's probably heard me say (laughs) it because I say it just about every class, but, you know, it never fails. A student would be like, well, if I was being shot at, this is what I would do. I'm like, have you ever been shot at? Right. And I obviously know the answer. I mean, 
I guess I could be surprised, but <laughs> I've never been surprised and had someone be like, yeah, I have. <laughs> well, until you have been, you don't know what you're going to do. Right. Um, and, and that's just the, the, I mean, I know very experienced guys who have deployed tons and tons and tons of times, but maybe never actually been in a gunfight or something. And you just don't know and, until you're put in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being very cautious of saying what you would do is, is different and being like, maybe say, this is how I think I would handle that. Or this is how I would hope I would handle that. Right. And then try to train. So that becomes your default because at the end of the day, you're going to resort back to instinct. So if your mm-hmm. instinct is to do a certain thing, because you've trained it over and over and over and over to be that thing, that's when you're going to be successful. Um, you know, it's the same thing. Like some guys will carry a holster here and then they'll carry it here and then they'll carry it over here. And sometimes it's this gun. Sometimes it's that gun. You just need to be equally as prepared with no matter what it is because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to be carrying when you have to actually perform. So, right. you know, I think with going back to the, the video, I think that was the important part with keeping it very authentic was this is what I would actually do. This is how I would actually do it. This is what I would actually be carrying throughout the entire operation was super important. Like, you know, we didn't go back and add equipment because we got out there and we're like, Oh, I forgot this. Like, well, you forgot it. Now, how would you handle that? Um, so we just ran it as we would kind of could have been a one take. I mean, obviously you guys would have been (laughs) pulling off some magic, but, um, (laughs) you know, we kind of ran it with the mindset of like, this is how we would actually do that. Um, and you know, even, uh, the scene down with the, the hostage recovery, for example, they didn't modify how they addressed it. They ran it the same every single way. Right. And I admittedly wasn't involved in that scene. And I'm sitting back, backseat quarterback. I'm like watching this, doing that. I'm like maybe I wouldn't do that. But they did it how they would do it. They ran with it. They made it work. So, mm-hmm. um, But I think if you're not watching things with you know, critical eyes, you're kind of doing yourself a, a disservice. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think the ability for you guys to pull off filming it from a authentic perspective was key because at no point did you ask us to change right anything which Mm -hmm. was important oh with that uh i think i've learned well i'm the youngest one here but i think i've learned with just video stuff uh if something's authentic or real even if you got crappy video crappy audio doesn't matter people will watch it because it's authentic and it's real that's just something human nature i guess you call it or whatnot but that's just why i've seen like even big productions things that look great if there's not you know, meat and potatoes yeah, to it. It's fake and inside there. You got all yeah, these like, explosions. Oh, yeah, like, People whatever. are like, that's still not, it's yeah. not. But anyway, yeah, it can be applied to just about anything right. pretty much. But that's just kind of what I've learned from, you know, watching things through my life. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, one of the biggest expressions, especially with action movies or military movies is like, oh, they Hollywooded that up or uh, they put added the Hollywood flair to it. And like to people who know, like it's, it's obvious. I mean, right. 12 strong, for example. There's no way a guy ran, rode on horseback, full speed, one hand with an AR, <laughs> sending bursts through dudes' domes. Like, just didn't happen. I've met the guy that Hemsworth was playing and asked him. I was like, "So, how many of you guys? How many guys you get from horseback?" And he's like, "I'm pretty sure not one." <laughs> so, I mean, it looks That's good. A good sharpshooter right there. <laughs> right. It looks really good, and you know, you appreciate it, and you still enjoy the storyline, especially for something like that, because that was real. what those guys did was remarkable, no yeah. matter what. I mean, like I said, it comes back to they achieved the mission. No one got hurt. 
they achieved their goal, that's the cool part about it. Right. How they got there, it doesn't matter. Right. Honestly, like in between, it's like doesn't doesn't matter at all. Um, so yeah, what Jacob was saying about authenticity is always going to show through. It, it yeah. does. Mm-hmm. I mean, very rarely has someone been like, "Oh, that was a cool scene," but you know, it was because of it being a cool scene. It wasn't the action. Everyone generally likes the action. Right. So, yeah, and it was interesting on a point because when we were going through a lot of it, the when we were in a scene and we were laying it out, and I would always ask, "Would this be something that you guys would do?" Like that was something I kept asking, kept asking, just to make sure. Because every once in a while, you can get like, "Well, okay, this would look cool," because you know you can kind of Hollywoodize it. But then I was thinking of it too, the, the trying to hit the main objective with trying to keep it authentic and and real as far as like what you guys would actually do and then are we are accomplishing the goal that the final product you know mm-hmm. for the client is wanting to use it for because yeah we could you know there were certain parts in there that we started kind of developing and pushing 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 and i'm like well that will that be part of what the training will be and you're like no that's that's we wouldn't train anybody in that piece and so i was like well we're not you know we need to cut it out because that's not accomplishing the final goal of what the client needs and what the client wants. So it's, it was an interesting, you know, there's different pieces that we're trying to pull from. Does it, you know, is it authentic and true to what you guys would do? Keeping that side, is it accomplishing the objective? And then obviously on our part, we're like, okay, that's accomplishing, checking those two boxes. Now we're going to make it look really cool. You know, we kind of bring that part in afterwards. I think a, a cool example actually was just yesterday when we were filming like the, the infill of our sniper team was we had initially planned on like dismounting and like converging on each other and kind of doing like a a little file down one of the sides of the road. And then as soon as we dismounted, we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, you know, stay separated and we'll just do cross coverage. And that made sense for where we were for like a daytime infiltration in a pretty open area. Mm -hmm. Um, That just made more sense. And you know, Michael was just kind of like, I see him looking to the left and looking to the right. And he's kind of like, who do I film? Who do I film? And, I, and he's like, so you guys are going to stay separate now? I'm like, yeah, yep, we're going to stay separate. Right All right. And, but I mean, you guys rolled with it. And I you know I appreciate that because I'm. Not, I, it's so hard for me to swallow that pill of like, man, I'm just doing this because we're being filmed. Like, that's just a really tough, right. tough thing to swallow. And, and I think it's I go back to that whole trying to be accountable to what we're putting out to to the public so mm-hmm. and what and you know at the same sorry. time like if we were to trip in a scene and fall and whatever like right. you, use it if it's <laughs> if it's whatever because it happened right. i mean I, I don't need to look perfect like nothing very few things are perfect especially in some kind of like actual training operation like mm-hmm. something you know almost guarantees to go wrong <laughs> go wrong right. so yep. show it except for that one thing Right. right. And the, and the, <laughs> so the one of those boxes that you were saying to check for as far as for here, just talking about even those are maybe listening or interested in, in this place mm-hmm. too, of this, like what, what were some of those different um, areas that are available at the range right. or the things that we were trying to convey, maybe just kind of highlighting some of those main, you know, cool parts about this. Facility. Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, Bridal Iron South. So get the name out there because I am <laughs> notorious for forgetting Right. to mention that always ends up being like co- in the comments who where <laughs> like you didn't what say did you so we'll just get that out of the way yeah. um but yeah it's it's uh, the nice part about here is that it's private it's yeah. not a public range so you're not victim to some of the rules regulations and yeah. um, safety measures of having a range open to the public daily so 
if a SWAT team wants to come in and take over the whole facility for a weekend, a week, whatever the case may be, like that can be facilitated. And yeah. literally as far as, you know, what can they do out here? I, I don't want to say unlimited because it never fails that someone will find something that yeah. right. goes well outside of where that limitation is and you just aren't, aren't aware of it, but it is pretty unlimited in, into the regards to the, the safety measures that we just naturally have in place with such a vast amount yeah. of land um, so direction of fire is very, very open. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as far as the long range, long range alone, we have 1.3 miles of known distance that backs up to another, I don't even know how many thousands of acres of nothing. So yeah. the only thing that we're actually limited to with the long range is a set of power lines at 1.3 miles. But um, with that being said, we've actually found a an angle that we can shoot at to another direction that will give us a full two miles. Um, oh, so we'll wow. actually have a two mile uh, known distance target as well. Um, the shooting platform, as you saw, is kind of designed to facilitate either just a straight up flat range type of known distance, not unknown distance, directional fire to multiple berms, different directions. Correct. Distances. Yeah. All the way out to the 1.3 miles. And then you can also use like the windows to shoot into the bays for more of an urban type of situ- scenario based with a tripod or seated on the stairway or which whatever. Used. Yeah. Yeah. Which we did use. <laughs> so, um, and, and I'll be completely open when I designed that tower. Um, I based it off of the special forces group at Fort Campbell. I based it off of their tower, nice, which nice. has kind of become, I won't want to say the blueprint, but a lot of the um, yeah. special operations community is designing a tower very similar to that. Like sure. everyone's like, why do you need a rock climbing wall? And I'm like, well, believe it or not, you may have to climb up into a window or right. repel off of that. So, um, you know, we, we didn't want someone to come out here and be like, I wish we could do this. Yeah. Like right. we wanted to be able to say, if you wish it, we can either facilitate it somehow or, it's going to mm-hmm. take something really, re- really rare for us to be able to say, man, we can't do that. Right. I mean, the two uh, two corner bays are designed to essentially be 360 bays minus a little gap where vehicles can pull in to do operations. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that was why those are purpose built for that. Um, <coughs> outside of that, I mean, we did blow up pretty significant amount of uh, binary explosives on property last night. Mm-hmm. So uh, breaching and, and demolition of stuff like that obviously are, are also in our capabilities. Um, we did find out we need to let people know 32 miles away. Right. Yeah. That it, uh, it does carry <laughs> a boom in, the, in, the, in the flatlands of Texas here. Um, yeah. It travels a little further than, than the more mountainous areas we've also trained. But, yeah. um, yeah. you know, again, I won't say it's unlimited, but we will do literally everything we can to facilitate mm-hmm genuine training right we don't want to apply rangeisms we don't want people to have to build in training scars just to facilitate with the facility right um, mandates um and the airspace too i mean you're able to have a helicopter come in yeah. for you know maneuvering <laughs> that kind of stuff too yeah i mean we have our the our own airfield actually it's um it is a usable runway we don't really use it for any reason but it is usable um we have some military freefall operations coming in uh, to use the facility on cool. a regular basis um built a new lodge because I felt it was super important for, you know, to take the logistics out of hotel rooms offsite, yeah. food offsite, because then people are running into town and missing out on time that they could be training. Mm-hmm. Um, so we built a lodge that'll sleep just, just about as many people as you'd ever want to bring in. You know, I think we got it up to 40 people, but we got it set up for 20 individual rooms. That's awesome. Um, but from an instructor's perspective, that's kind of a, a dream as well to have everyone mm-hmm. in one place on basically on the range 
then you can hang out with them after the fact, field some more questions that they may have um, versus, okay, cool, thanks for training today, see you tomorrow. Um, right, right. It kind of builds that experience, that camaraderie after the fact. So, yes, I mean, I, you know, we tried to build it to a manner where if you can dream it, you can do it kind of stuff out here. But, you know, and, and with the same thing, we're working with uh, the game wardens down here and they have some very specific training that they want to do with like land navigation. Mm, so we're yeah. working to try and facilitate that. So I don't see it being a problem. There's a good amount of land out here, but, um, right. you know, it's got a couple acres, but <laughs> it's one of those, like, we'll never say, no, you can't do that. We'll try to as best as we can to figure it out. And if it boils down to that, you know, unfortunately, but I haven't come up with a scenario yet where that's the case. Mm-hmm. Nice. Some off road with, Humvees and tanks and I mean we got you the, know some formation we got the creek that's perfectly <laughs> the crash things in my tank we got the, the the creek there that leads to the the giant um, bay mm-hmm. facility so I mean we can do right. maritime Water stuff as stuff. well yeah so it's it's a very very unique uh, piece of land and like I said it was, it was a phenomenal opportunity to even be involved with yeah. the designing of it but now to get to run it is is that's cool. pretty much a blessing so. Is there any stuff that you guys are working on facilitating out here that like you've kind of had the ideas and trying to put something together, you know, as far as just the planning of it? Is there anything outside of the free fall guys? Yeah. So um, 2020, obviously 2020 was not the people's year right. <laughs> um, for no. anything. Um, <laughs> people's choice. We, yeah. We had a lot of stuff planned uh, that we had to kind of push and whatnot and 2021 we have a lot of long-range classes already scheduled um like i said the military free fall guys will be out here quite a bit um Mm -hmm. that's kind of separate if you will yeah uh pistol carbine classes naturally will be running pretty much bi-weekly to at least once a month at at the slowest time um we are currently underway in building a very hunter specific curriculum um you know it's kind of I call it a hunter's confidence course because a lot of times hunters that come out here because there is a, a guided hunting operation on the property as well. They're not confident enough to take that, you know, 300 yard shot on a, on a deer with a 300 wind mag and there's no reason to not be. So I think, um, them just doing it on a range, Mm -hmm. um, will kind of provide them with that confidence, but, you know, also show them some more field expedient support methods, um, versus shooting, from a full-blown tripod to a tree-supported sling of some sort, um, mm-hmm. I, I think we'll definitely give them the confidence to go out and get that true hunting experience that they want. Like, I feel <coughs> guided hunts, in general, the, the guide brings you out, and they're like, okay, sit here, shoot that 70 yards away, right. done. This will give that guy who maybe wants to, like, stock up and truly build their position and you know, mm-hmm. input their data or holds or whatever kind of method they're using to actually hunt that animal and take that experience home with them. I think that's a whole different ball game as far as, you know, the hunting game goes. So what, um, uh, cause a big part of this stuff we'd like to talk, uh, just dive into a little bit on the podcast as well as that going into kind of the business side. And obviously with this year was really hard on a lot of businesses, especially like smaller businesses or didn't have finances to, you know, to keep rolling through difficult times. So from your aspect of, of even being in the position of being a, a trainer, and there is a lot of different ones, like you said, that are 
popping up and different trainers right. here and there, and they have different backgrounds, different styles, and those kind of things. Like, how do you feel that even if, with a place like this with a nice facility, but someone that's just trying to like share what they know or doing, you know, teaching and stuff, like what seems to be setting, you know, keeping what you guys are doing afloat even during all this crazy yeah. times that you have, or whether it's like, what, what are you having to put out to, to separate yourself or just give credibility or what are some of those things that's kind of like helped to keep you guys going? This has been, uh, for, for me personally, just being involved with the firearms manufacturing side of the house, yeah. the range operations side of the house, and being an instructor has been a very, very weird year. Mm-hmm. Um, firearms industry itself is through the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean... I th- just I mean, crazy. it's crazy I mean, <laughs> to the point where you can't get materials fast enough to build stuff that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the crux right now is to actually getting raw material who would have thought we'd ever be in that position with something like aluminum right. yeah. um so that side of the house is through the roof ammo through the roof so that's where it kind of starts to tie in so as an instructor people want to come out and train because they got their new guns they got their new gear because that industry is booming mm-hmm ammo is about as inaccessible as it's ever been and then people who do have it way overpriced are three four five times normal retail value so you have someone who wants to train more than ever because of the political climate that we live in has more firearms than they've ever had we have more new gun owners now than ever (laughs) yep but now they can't get ammo yeah so you have the want and the ability through equipment and desire but you don't have like the one thing required (laughs) to actually shoot Mm -hmm. um so it's that's so strange as an instructor to put a class Mm -hmm. and have like 30 people reach out and be like hey i want to come do you know where i can get ammo hey do you i want to come do you know where i can get ammo and i'm like no (laughs) like i I do but you're gonna lose your your pants in the process right Mm -hmm. um and so that kind of leads us to the facility perspective you have those people who are willing to pay for a facility who can also afford the ammo who can also afford the training so that that side's through the roof um but the individuals are where where we're struggling so the smaller trainers that don't have a huge following right now they're they're kind of the ones suffering the most i feel um you know and, and our pricing out here is extremely reasonable because we price by the student not by the facility so yeah. you know if you're bringing five people out you're going to pay what five people should be paying it's just per head of the student not it's two thousand dollars to use the range i don't care how many students you bring right so i think that helps out a little bit and when we built the range that was important to me as an instructor because i've gone to places that are like it's fifteen hundred dollars a day like uh this is a a small precision rifle class like that's that's not gonna happen right so uh, that was super important to me um but where i think we're we're running into the the benefit is that law enforcement agencies government agencies that normally didn't get the resources to train Mm -hmm. because of everything going on are now starting to get a little bit more freedom of maneuver in that that realm so uh 2021 is set up already to be a pretty good year as far as um, those agencies Mm -hmm. go but the jury's kind of still out on the individuals and the smaller classes just because of the ammo and and Mm -hmm. whatnot so and i will say and and it's not because we're just here but i've been on a lot of ranges over the last couple (laughs) years especially filming Mm -hmm. with you guys and cogworks and stuff like that this is definitely by far the nicest range 
ad that I've ever walked on. I mean, I've been on some cool ranges in the mountains, you know, mm-hmm. it's stuff like that, like just cool ranges. But this one, just as far as the bay setup, the location, you know, you have, like you said, the facilities, facilities right yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And then there's just the tower. I'm like, dude, just the tower alone is cool. Like, I, you know, I don't do a lot of long range right. I want to get into, but even just having the classroom set up, that's right there. You can do some classroom stuff. You have those different, you can, you can change your level. You can change what you're shooting through. Like just what you guys are spending the money to accommodate and make it so unique and accessible and, Mm -hmm. and, and being able to apply so many different things to it. I think that's just, I mean, it's, it's super good for the, for the end consumer. For sure. Honestly, I think that was just a, a product of the chemistry and, you know, knowing your strengths and weaknesses when we came into planning this thing is, I, mean, I think it's a sign that the owners flew someone in who's shot on several ranges kind of know what instructors need what instru- students want mm-hmm. because they didn't and they were willing right. to admit that and because of that they were like okay well it's we're willing to, to do the financial end and put the resources together mm-hmm. we just want someone to tell us what we should do right and you know no point along the way did they ever question anything right but i think the cool chemistry part comes they put on high ends hunt guided hunting trips so they know what the presentation and the yeah. quality of their clientele expects yeah. so instead of yeah. building like a small pole barn tower type situation to shoot from they wanted to build a very high quality like no nothing skipped just because to save a few dollars right because they knew in the long run the clientele yeah. would would end up paying for it down down the road for so sure willing to make the the investment if the investment justified it's the same thing with the lodge at first we weren't all in all convinced we were going to do the lodge i ran some financial forecasts on keeping people on property versus them going into town and getting a hotel and then ultimately what kind of pushed them over the edge was the experience because mm-hmm. yeah. they know from guiding hunts that the hunters want to hang out with the guides right that's kind of what they pay for yep. they could go walk around the woods and probably shoot a deer in texas just about anywhere right they're paying for that hangout mm-hmm. knowledge base that they're gaining yeah. from the guide, the stories, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, the same thing applies to an instructor. Oh, it's huge. So, the, I mean, the classes that I've been on, it's the same thing. Like, they, you know, after the class, usually it's the typical, they, you know, they all kind of scatter and go back to their hotel or where they're staying with their buddies and stuff like that. And they try to do, like, hey, we're going to go and have dinner. Right everybody from that class goes to dinner because they want to hang out with the instructors and, you know, hear those stories and where you guys were at and, you know, the war stories and product and like, Hey, I just got this new kit. Like, what do you think? You're like, where should I put it? What should I do? You know, it's just like, I think you should sell it. I am to train with. Yeah, seriously. You know, so that's, that's a huge, you know, so you guys apply that and the new lodge is freaking sweet. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I wish I could claim that. I mean, I, I gave them purely a, I think we should be able to at least sleep this number of people. And I mean, I'll fully step away and say from there, they ran with it and they put their yeah. flavor on it. And I mean, when the first time I saw it and I saw the prints for it, I was like, you do know this is unnecessary, right? Like I just, I just want to be clear that I'd never said that it had to be all of this. Right. And they're like, no, no, no. It's, you know, We're good. this is how we want it because we want to make sure it's, it's a good experience. I'm like, yeah. okay, but I just want it to be noted that, I never said you had to to do this. <laughs> it's nicer than any, any so, hotel that's it, it, <laughs> and, and it truly is. Drive. And you know, I mean, their land out here it does encompass the majority of the county. Right. So I mean, they they are well aware of like what the town provides as far as restaurants and lodging, and mm-hmm. 
Um, it is, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer, in, in my opinion, for Full-time someone to chef. stay here. Yeah, and we're all fat because of it. <laughs> yeah. I think I was actually saying that. I don't know if you guys were around the other night, but I was like, "It's gonna. We're gonna advertise, obviously, that your meals are included with your lodging, uh, the lodging fee." But there's no way to convey like what exactly we mean by a meal. It's yeah. not like a bologna sandwich wrapped in plastic with an apple, like you'd get like a Hampton Inn. To go lunch. No, this is Thanksgiving dinner for lunch. Yeah, I mean, I remember, (laughs) I think it was your first time out here, you said something about lunch, and I go, just keep in mind, that was lunch. I was like, wait, that was like the best three-course meal ever. Wait till dinner. Um, But yeah, I mean, and and I think that's kind of the very, very cool chemistry of having people that come from serving a Mm -hmm. high-end clientele in a different, different but related industry. Um, now combining with the knuckle dragger that I am of <laughs> pulling off a range. So it's, it's been really cool to, to see. And, it, and, you know, honestly, I'm enjoying learning from them. Like I'm, I'm from upstate New York, like right. the, the regime of New York under the emperor himself, like right. outdoors. This wasn't really my thing. I lived in a beautiful part of the state, but I wasn't a hunter by any means. Right. Same thing down in Florida. I don't do that. I mean, this is in their blood. Like, right. yeah, you know, Hagen's like mid 20s i think he's like 24 25 and that, that i've watched that guy rip bobcats out of trees and like <laughs> kill a rattlesnake in the middle of the road i'm like that's not beast not normal to me <laughs> right so i mean i'm enjoying just the aspect of like learning that lifestyle yeah. with them and and it's just it's right. really really gotta get you some cowboy boots and a big old belt buckle i mean Shh. i did wear snake boots i think my first time down here when I, we went hog hunting i felt pretty official but um <laughs> It, it is. It's just. It's a different world, and you know the ranch specifically is self-sufficient. And yeah. you know, I was telling Jordan uh, this morning or last night, I was like, "You don't have to go into town for anything. You don't mm-hmm. have to go for gas. Like if you really right. want, there's gas, there's gas right here, mm-hmm. and you you kind of live in your own world out here. It's like I go from the lodge to the range, the range to here, and you know, mm-hmm. at night you go drive around the ranch and right. find something. It's a just a different world and when you have like that much uh, land, you've kind of created your own ecosystem to a degree. Yeah. Right? I mean, even to the, to the bloodline of the deer that are out here. Um, so they don't have high fences, which is mm-hmm. one of the, I mean, again, things I learned what that yeah, actually meant. That's but, unique. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, their, uh, their motto for the hunting operation is uh, raising standards, not fences, which I thought was, <laughs> well, it's probably, yeah. if I had to guess, it's definitely a Dan, Danism. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, he's one of the most, creative people i've i've met when it comes to like running a business and yeah the way his mindset works and it's it's a very very cool thing to get to experience it's almost like a mentorship like when i watch him approach different opportunities and decisions and mm-hmm. you know it really does show you like where to put yeah. where to put your foot down and also where to to step up and take that little bit of a risk so mm-hmm. um you know the range to him was a complete risk yeah. he um he went to a magpul course and kind of was like, man, I got the property to do this. Like, let's do it. Let's, you know, worst case scenario, I end up with a really nice range for right. myself. But, <laughs> um, but again, at the business side of him knew yeah. I need to bring someone in who could tell me if, is this going to work? Right. And if it is, what do I need to do to, to yeah. make it work? So yeah, I really I cool. can't get patent, you know, for you guys, it's probably kind of interesting because they have like a TV show. So right. I, I hear you guys like, like tech out with their their camera people too. So <laughs> yeah, it's really just a a very very unique place. Yeah, yeah. It really is definitely That's awesome. What, what kind of stuff do you have 
as far as because you run on the business side, you run there's a, there's a lot of different aspects that that you're tied into as right. far as you know now the range and and what you're doing with um, firearms manufacturing and then your own like how do you how do you put those together and run all those and then still keep you know progressing forward as far as like you know because I know you work a lot on the products and mm-hmm. and producing new stuff and then just building your own personal brand stuff like that what like Give us kind of a, a a little inside look into that um, whole man, dynamic. It's uh it's an ever evolving business model. Is I guess the best way to say it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've I've actually I try not to turn things down, but I I've come to a, a point now where I have to sit back and can I make these work together in some way, shape, yeah. or form? Um, so you know, from the ranch slash firearms uh, manufacturer perspective. Um, I've been able to get our guns into their hands and get feedback as to, you know, what traditionally wouldn't be a hunting platform, mm-hmm. how it works, you know, right. is it too heavy? Is it this, is it that? So, I mean, I kind of worked that. And then we tied in sales from the, the firearms manufacturer into the range portion of the ranch. So yeah. now they're a dealer. So when c- clients come out to shoot and they're hunting clients, for example, bring their their bolt gun to go hunting with and all of a sudden they're like oh man i've never never shot an ar-15 before right they come over to the range and they shoot one of the demo guns and they're like i want that like that one i'm like oh okay cool you have one in the vault right um so i mean that's been kind of a a cool way to be able to to mix and mingle those um yeah i'll use the real c word right now but content i mean (laughs) i'm now able to have access to um getting hunting content for the firearms manufacturer that typically wouldn't. Right. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a cool, cool thing to be able to do. Um, and then as far as the instruction to the ranch or in the range, I'm bringing in a clientele that wouldn't typically think about hunting necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, to a crossover. Yeah. To kind of do get ex- exposure to that. And maybe down the road, they want to come out on a hunt or right. the vice versa. Now I'm meeting people who are hunters that, maybe haven't thought of taking a pistol class, but mm-hmm. carry a concealed all the time. You know, yeah. um, a lot of the, the ranch staff actually wants to take a class because they shoot rifles all the time, but not really handguns. Right. So they want to kind of delve into that aspect. It's awesome. And, you know, you'll never probably meet more patriotic people than work out here. Right. But now we have like special operations soldiers jumping onto their property <laughs> training in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the night and, to them that's just like how how high can i raise my american flag right pretty high in that case so (laughs) so you're really tying two huge worlds together and you know i'm very fortunate that i've been able to kind of be the (laughs) pivot point of that i guess you could say but uh to answer your question you know i just i sit back and i kind of see how how can i take this one opportunity no matter what it may be whether it's you know, working with Oakley, for example, can I tie that into a sponsorship for the TV show for the ranch mm-hmm. and also provide my students with prizes at the end of classes, which also then gives Oakley content. Right. So mm-hmm. how many ways can I tie this one opportunity into the things I do have a little bit of influence yeah. over? Um, but I mean, I try to use like my training side um, just kind of as like my getaway, like to go back to my roots and right get to work with people and <laughs> just learn learn new things from people and meet new people and you know very rarely does that not lead to another opportunity of some sort you know right. just met a yeah. guy from border patrol in a class and now he wants me to 
work with Border Patrol, well, they'll probably come out here. And it's just sweet. So I think it's just a constant looking to how you can benefit those who have provided for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, same mm-hmm. thing like with you guys. Uh, we had the Wild Man experience come out here. Yeah. For, the, for those of you who don't know, it's basically these guys who are huge in the self-development coaching world who haven't had any experience with hunting, shooting, anything out of nature. And in two days, we take them from, hey, this magazine goes in the gun here. Right. This makes it go bang. <laughs> tomorrow you're <laughs> oh, shooting. it's not a clip. Tomorrow you're shooting from a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. So, um, And so for that example, primarily, you can say, well, then most of them ended up buying the guns that they shot. So that benefited the firearms manufacturer. You were out here filming. Well, now you're going to film all of their events. Right. And they're, they've already signed up for four more events next quarter, next year, and then mm-hmm. one more this year. So that's a, a pretty prime example of how to try to tie it all together. Yeah. But that's awesome. It's fun <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you got plenty of time on your hands. Yeah. You know, do a bunch of things. <laughs> and one of those other things is is – dark corner you kind of uh, explained to us what that like you want to yeah so give us a little insight yeah. of where that came from it's funny because it's kind of become like the redheaded stepchild in my life but it was actually <laughs> right. what kind of kicked it all off so uh when i stopped contracting i was like you know i think I, I think i'll do some firearms training like i didn't really know how serious i'd be about it but i've always liked teaching people especially in long range like you know hagen for example the other day i yeah. got him hit a mile for the first time awesome. to see someone react the way they do like when they hit something, even if it's someone who's never shot 300 yards and they hit it for the first time, it, like that joy is just, you can't replicate mm-hmm. it any, any other way. I feel Jacob um, just, sorry to catch oh off yeah. there. <laughs> Jacob just did five, 510, huh? Five, 555. 555. What time do you leave? About a week ago. <laughs> Got time. <laughs> two we can, hours. We like, do you want to double that? We, we can go beat uh, that. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, that was the first time you ever got on a long, on range, a long range ever. Yeah. We just yeah. dialed him in and he's like, I'm like which okay. one the the big one i was like all right and they're like that was 555 i was like uh, we'll get what? you on a, we'll get you on a thousand by noon <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> um, but yeah i mean like so that's kind of where that came from um you know it was, it was one of those everyone's like oh if you enjoy what you do you'll never work a day in your life and i'm like well i don't really want to do anything else so this is what i'm going to do i'm going to figure out a way to make it work right. um and then you know garrett came along and we kind of Garrett from from Cogworks, we've known each other for oh, almost 17 years now. Wow, odd to say that. <laughs> um, but he had a pretty successful training thing going on, product thing going on. He asked me if I would do the long range training for him. I was like, sure. And that turned into pistol and carbine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, not to say that Dark Corner isn't my focus. It is. It's kind of the the hub, It'd be the umbrella that everything kind of goes underneath. But right. um, yeah, it's kind of taken a a backseat because I have so many other opportunities to work with such other great things. Um, but all, all the instruction, you know, especially in 2021, we're going to make a little bit of a resurgence. Um, we have six classes scheduled out here for long range already. Nice. Um, so yeah, a big event. We're going to do a a sniper competition out here as well, which will be kind of fun. So what does dark corner stand for? I know that we were talking about the other day, like what <laughs> most in the corners uh, yeah. would think it would be. It's funny because I'm, I'm like selective of who I dedicate the time to explain it to. Cause sometimes <laughs> people genuinely care and other times they, they don't. And it's easy to tell, but right. I, so the dark corner of the brain, it's called the amygdala and it's actually the fear center. So fight or flight. And it's kind of how you react when you're uh, encountered with that 
that situation where you need to respond either positively in fear or run away with your tail between your legs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's where it came from. Nice. It's very straightforward. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, It came back because, you know, I was always, you always hear the expression of like, sometimes you need to go to that dark place where, you know, you have to make that decision of, do I keep going or do I run? And so I literally just Googled one day, like dark corner of the brain. And that came up and it said fear center. I was like, perfect. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Nice. um, That's awesome, man. Well, we'll, uh, just wrapping up um for people to find you mm-hmm. on the interwebs as they call it now yeah where to uh, what which they google so, or search um or? <clears throat> so right now uh darkcornerconcepts.com has the calendar for all of my events uh wherever they are in the country but also all of the range events for bridal iron south um you guys are facilitating the launching of that website through the the content that we got uh, this past weekend. So the bridalironsouth.com website will be up and running. Probably my, my goal is by like veterans day kind of time frame. Uh, cause we'll also have the lodge completely done by nice. that point. Um, and then on Instagram, dark underscore corner underscore concepts.com. I have a Twitter, but I'm not going to give it out cause I don't ever use it. So <laughs> not going to waste anyone's time with that. Nice. but Cool, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for, being on the podcast and yeah thanks, thanks for, for the, the good couple it. days thanks yeah. for the opportunity <laughs> epic, epic that was fun for sure <laughs> well, there's no other group <laughs> i would like to shared it with that's for sure so no so, it yeah. was cool to work with the collective for the, the first time yes yeah. you know i'm always always impressed with what josiah churns out and honestly in such a short amount of time so pretty excited to see what the team pulls together yeah, yeah. So. That was awesome. Well, hopefully, again. this is the first of many to I come. Don't doubt that. And, <laughs> you, and no. you know, like they said, the hunting show wants to, to bring you in, right. do some stuff there. So, hopefully, that all pans out too. Mm-hmm. Be a good time. Sweet. Yeah. Cool, all man. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.